<laughs> I hope so. Let's see. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views from the Bench. Uh, if you haven't quite figured it out, uh, we have a new date and time and schedule going forward now that I am back at the rink doing what I love on the ice coaching. So we're going to be coming to you guys live every Wednesday at noon now. Are you guys still going to get the same clips, same stuff like that? But uh, today I am excited to have Coach Steve Hart on with me today. Uh, Steve, you're a coach with the Fox Valley Youth Hockey Association, the Gamblers, correct? Yep. Awesome. So it's going to be an awesome interview right now. We're going to be talking a lot about youth development programs. Steve, you were really instrumental in and kind of developing a new program for Fox Valley's Youth Association. Fond du Lac kind of did something new this year, too, that I'm hoping we can discuss, because I know there's been a lot of people that have a lot of questions on what Fond du Lac's development program is, but it, in reality, it's, it's a lot like you guys, and uh, you guys have been doing it longer, too. So, um, you know, I want to touch into that. So, um, but one thing is I want to kind of tell an awesome story about you, and I don't know if you, 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 you will remember or anything like that, but... Um, another reason why I really love having you on as a coach, as a guest here, is because you taught me something uh, last year. And I'll admit, when when you did it, I was it's something that stuck with me. And right away, uh, it's something that I've done, I've taken with me. But uh, last year, you, I asked you to come on the bench for my show team. Do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, one of the things you did with that, uh, you were on the offensive door. Uh, it's something that I was like, wow, that's like it's brilliant. Um, you were running that offensive door and you had you ran three changes in about 40 seconds <laughs> like, and i was like wow like and uh it was awesome because like it was one of those things where you know tensions were you know kids were excited they were ready to go and you know it was one of those things where you got every kid every forward onto that ice within the first 40 seconds of that game and it's something that stuck with me and it, it led it set the tone early in our and, and for our game and things like that and i just want to say that was one of the things that i took away watching you coach i was like that's phenomenal now every team i coach now my goal is to have a you know a complete run through of a line within the first minute of the game get every kid in and out get them ready to rock can you kind of go into that real quick of why you did that and and who'd you learn it from or something like that well, I just think over the years, you kind of realize as an athlete yourself, like, mm -hmm. you know, you got to get into the game, Yep. especially in games that start to have a little bit more importance. And as you pointed out, like tension and nervous energy, you yeah. could tell in the locker room before the game, the kids were a little tight. So it's like, all right, well, get out there, get some energy out of your system. And I mean, maybe it came from my dad. I know, yeah. you know, growing up too, like, not being the biggest of guys out there he was always when you hit the ice show them your speed and show them your physicality and then they'll think twice about a lot of stuff which i mean i again i think that helps get me mentally into a game to get a hit on right back in the day when you could do that um but no i mean with a with a group of kids that are super competitive you just you almost got to kind of let them get that energy out real quick yep. Um, and, you know, rolling with the same kids all the time and kind of giving them a minute shift, you know, it also makes the other team try to, if they're trying to do line matchups, you better have a quick door. <laughs> so the other, uh, the other thing you probably can learn from that is carry a coaching jacket with you wherever you go, because I think my, my fleece that I wore the whole week, uh, was, was probably not the best option for running a door or being on a bench. So, yeah. you know, and I was really appreciative that you like agreed to, we had a coach that uh, something came up with his job and he couldn't make the game. And I was like, why? I, you know, it's one of those things. I like having three coaches on the bench and uh, you did an amazing job that game with the kids. And that was just one of the things that like, you know, I'm always trying to learn what other coaches are doing and I'm trying to like, pick up on little things. And that was something you did that I like, it struck me. I was like, wow, that was awesome. Like, all these kids had a lot of nerves going on. They were kind of antsy to get on the ice. And every kid touched the ice within the first 40 seconds of the game. And then that first line that we had started was back out there within, you know, 45. It was it was phenomenal. The kids were buzzing with it. And it was a great way that you were able to get the kids calmed down, 
focused on the game. And like you said, the other thing too, I noticed it put the team, other team back on their heels right away. It was like, it set the tone that every kid was going and that, and each kid knew that they were going out for 15 seconds. That 15 seconds was like, it was to the wall. Like it was awesome. Right. So I just want to say that was one of the things that I learned from you and I, and that I've taken with me along my hockey journey. I ran a, a bench last year that had four lines and that was my biggest thing with those four lines was like, Every kid's gonna get on the ice from the first minute, period. And then you just, we just, we just rolled. And that was, that was awesome. But before we uh, get into some of the questions about our development program and things like that, it's give me a little background in your playing career. Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, this, this might provide some nuggets of information for some parents that have concerns about development um, or not looking at the, you know, the fact that hockey is a late development model. I actually, okay. Started a little bit later. Uh, my interest in hockey came from seeing guys at school wearing their hockey jackets. So I'm from Beloit, and back in the day, we had Beloit Blades jackets that were pretty neat. I went home from school one day because one of my best friends was wearing a jacket. I said, "Hey, Dad, can I play hockey?" And he's like, "What are you, what are you talking about hockey? I've never, you know, where'd this come from?" And then, fortunately, he actually worked with a guy who was a big hockey figure within within Beloit, and then. You know, the next day they're taking me over to uh, Jerry Edwards, who's in the Wisconsin Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, mm -hmm. Worked a lot with Waha. We took me over to their to their marina, and which was also a hockey shop, and got me outfitted with a bunch of you know probably used gear. And and they're like, well, we'll see how he does. And I, I went out there, and you know it was hard. Obviously, yeah. uh, the season had already started, so I joined, you know, probably December of the season, and um. Just, you know, grinded it out, refused to quit. And my dad's one of those guys, you know, so I come from a military family, like you don't quit. So, you know, I was going to open skate every day. I was, you know, going out there and falling down, getting up, falling down and just nonstop continuing to push. Uh, but then the, as the years go by, I was, you know, first year I was what might see. And then I think back then it was double A hockey. So second year I was, I made my A, which was the second team because we had double A, but then squirt B, squirt B, peewee B, peewee B. So the first time I sniffed, you know, top level hockey was Bantam. First year Bantam, I was, uh, I made Bantam double A. And, I, and so one of those things was, you know, I was really never frustrated I could probably sense that my parents were frustrated at times, but I would also go back to, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, Beloit had a lot of strong hockey teams and a lot of, a lot, really a lot of good players that came through that program. So, I mean, in hindsight, obviously the issue was depth. I mean, I was a pretty good player. I was a late developer. I was always one of the smaller kids. Um, back then checking was in Peewee. So yeah. it's a whole different ball game. Um, but then, you know, when I got to Bantam AA, I started showing what I could do. I played two years of Bantams and then right into high school, I was first line, second line. You know, I never, I never dropped to third line ever the rest of my high school career. And I was coached by Dave Whitting, who's also in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and then also John Mowerman that, you know, I'm certain one day he'll make it there. So I've had some pretty good influences of coaches. Um, it, when it came time to post high school hockey, it was, you know, do I want to go play juniors? And then, I mean, based on how things were, I was probably looking at D3 at best. Um, and I chose to just go to college and get an education and play other sports. So that's the other thing. I was a multi-sport athlete. So all the way up until I had to make decisions, I wrestled. I was probably a better wrestler than a hockey player, actually. Um, I played soccer and football until I had to make a choice. And I actually played baseball and track until I had to make a choice. Actually, my freshman year in high school, I did both, which was insane. Uh, and then I chose track, which I probably wish I'd have chose baseball. But then there's the weird part. I, I, I from my last day of, of my last game, my senior year, I probably didn't touch the ice for a, I don't even know, a long time. I mean, I just kind of walked away from the game, mm -hmm. didn't really miss it. And then I, I think it was when I, you know, I got older and my kids, uh, when I had kids, I was like, well, I'm going to get back into this thing. So, you know, going from transitioning from playing career to coaching career, uh, 
I called Mike Elkin up. We were living in Nina. I called Mike Elkin up and he's like, yeah, if you want to coach? Come. We're always looking for coaches. And so I would say I was blessed and fortunate that, uh, you know, here we have a, a pretty, you know, good hockey mind who stepped away from high school hockey yeah. primarily because he's like, I'm not liking the talent I'm seeing coming through. So, you know, this is how I learned how, you know, this will get into our conversation later, but you don't like what you're seeing, do something about it. So he took a step back and kind of reinvented Fox Valley youth hockey going before USA hockey, going to mm -hmm. cross ice, going to station based practices, focusing on skating and still skill development, kind of laying the foundation for, um, for what you've seen over the last, I guess, five, six years with the success of the high school program. So I started as a non-parent coach, um, very, you know, learned some hard lessons along the way, uh, moved to Madison area. And I actually coached at Wanakee as a non-parent coach as well. Um, and when my kids got a little bit older, I, I tried as hard as I possibly could to not have anything to do with the learn to skate program or U6. Another thing I would say about being a coach is understand your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, learn to skate, not my not my thing. So um, I would just be out there stressed out, sweating bullets, like ineffective. Yeah. Um, then I, we moved back to Nina, so we kind of did the flip-flop and then uh, started coaching Fox Valley again. Um, helped kind of bring the Bulldogs, Fox City Selects Bulldogs, back from, uh, I guess, the grave. But, you know, it's a solid program that Bucky Gruber had started. And, and again, that kind of came out of a need or a necessity yeah. um, to kind of, again, I think, a few things build relationships across fox valley area um and then i think we had a lot of people just traveling way too far to play hockey uh, i've i've you know coached hockey factory you know one tournament so not that big of it but we practiced in the summer and i've coached gamblers uh this last season great experience so i've coached my you know u8 not u6 to learn to skate through bantam um, and then I've coached C, B, A, triple A spring, summer. So, um, so yeah. And I, and I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, I've, you know, I've gone into administration, like the board. So yeah. I don't know if you probably have some other questions before I just talk for an hour. You're, uh, you, you brought up <laughs> an awesome point that I wanted to touch on because yep. I haven't like touched on it much with uh, some of my other interviews I've done, but you, you brought up something you said your dad did. Your dad didn't let you quit, right? Right. Um, and that's something that I, I find as a coach that uh, it's one of the more frustrating parts for me is that, um, and you see it, you don't necessarily see it at the um, at the older levels of, or I mean like the higher end levels, but you do see maybe it's not a kid quitting, like saying like, you know, you're quitting the sport, but um, it's frustrating for me when you have parents that give their kids an out, right? They give them an out to miss a practice, to not do a workout, to not put in the work. And I, I can always tell you, I love the parent and I respect the parent who during times where like, obviously there's times where kids don't want to like go to the practice. They have other things going on, they're kids. But to not let that skater have that out, to not give them that excuse because, and I've always said it, once it's, once you do it once, it's, second time is so much easier and then it becomes easier and easier and that's where I, I, I really respect your dad for you know instilling that in you because that's that's something that I find at a lot of the levels is that you know once a kid makes that decision to miss practice one time in November then it becomes super easier to do it in February or, or March when times are the season's dragging on so um, it's you know it's kudos to your dad for that I mean that's I mean, I know you don't. You have the same set with your son, so. <laughs> well, I mean, and and there's another. It's a it's another example of if if I would not have kind of continued to nudge, yeah. I don't think I would have any hockey players mm -hmm. right now. I mean, my older son was kind of a I would I would say a social hockey player, and he wasn't you know he didn't really he didn't really get it until second year Bantam. Mm -hmm. And, and Braden, my youngest, he did not like being out in the ice. I mean, we had to coerce him with candy bars and Culver's. And, you know, I remember my wife saying, just stay out there half the time. And then we just kind of 
so but yeah you give the out i mean what unfortunately what kid would rather do hard work versus you know wedding you know, if you have a choice right yeah. if you're doing what you want to do versus what's this thing i don't know what this thing is or if i'm not having success right that's the other thing like for me it was i was probably the oldest kid on a might see team and i was the worst kid on a might see team mm -hmm. and I'm falling down and i'm not you know so it wasn't until i started seeing progress and success that yeah this this thing might not be that bad yeah and that's where uh, as a coach sometimes too is we have to understand that um it's harder to get things from your parents and from your players when you're not experiencing success and those are the times where as a coach you got you need to really up your game to make sure that you're providing these kids with the the motivation the the will to come to the rink and still compete still to still to have that same motivation that they had on day one uh you know and that's where like I, i've said it to some teams or some coaches i've talked to is that you know your talent can get you through the good times right but right. it's it's like your adversity and your willingness to accept you know it, uh, it's it's the will to that's going to get you through the the unsuccessful times and that's where that's where the tough part part is for some coaches to figure out is it's you know it's it's really easy when your team's talented and doing well it's really not easy when your team isn't doing that well and you're trying to find success so no that's just that's a good point you bring up but let's get into your the development program um yep. for fox valley um give me an idea of when and you talk about mike elkin and things like that Yep. When did you guys kind of come to the conclusion that things weren't happy? You weren't happy with the way current development structure that you guys had. Well, I mean, so I would, it's going to be a long story, but I think, you know, to give a little bit of background, Fox Valley at, in 2013, when we moved back uh, the first year, they didn't have a Bantam team. They had, I think, two Peewee teams, uh, three really small squirt teams. And then I, I think the numbers that might were total were maybe about 25. Okay. Um, and I would say the board, it wasn't the board, it, the, the issue, a lot of the issues stemmed from the rink situation we had in the Fox Valley, where I think our board spent a lot of time trying to address a very legitimate and real concern that, you know, Tri-County was kind of on its last legs and there wasn't really a reinvestment into it. And so, um, so we actually, one of the solutions we came to a conclusion that let's, let's merge with Oshkosh. So when I coached in Fox Valley back in the early 2000s, Oshkosh and Winnet County were with Fox Valley and we were one program. Oshkosh split kind of a few years after the Y was built. Um, and, you know, I think working with Matt Carey, we kind of, we, we had a conversation one day at, at Buffalo Wild Wings and we both were saying a lot of the same things like numbers are low, like skill development's a challenge, who to play. I mean, we couldn't even play regional teams because, you know, I mean, the reality is why, why we couldn't play A to A. We could, yeah. we we're playing up or down and then those games were a, a challenge. So, uh, we, you know, so we wrote a proposal to Waha. Waha, I mean, I, I have a hard, at, at the time, I didn't really necessarily agree with the decision, but I would say in hindsight, uh, looking at where we're at now, it pro they were right. So sometimes you have to admit that what you thought was a great idea at the time led, but I would say what led, what led to Fox Valley growing numbers was the fact that we met with Oshkosh's board and we started thinking really creatively. So. Challenge one, how do you grow your base? So if you don't have a huge base of might, then when you're looking at Bantam in high school, obviously what's going to happen is the it's a pyramid, right? So as big as your base is, at some point in time, you're going to get to the top. So then, so how do you grow your base with high ice fees? I mean, the skater fees are what I would consider high at might relative to other areas in the state. Um, and then retention. So, okay, as we grow the base of might, how do we retain skaters into squirt and then from squirt to peewee? And so really it all starts with talking. I mean, asking around, what are some of the challenges? Uh, what are some of the issues? What are some of the concerns? And so, I mean, it's all one big pile. So 
might hockey wasn't fun anymore. Well, I came from Dane County where they had a might league um, and might teams were playing against other might teams. And, and, you know, so that's one thing where you're like, well, we're playing only in house. And so how much fun is it going against, you know, seeing the same three kids skate up and down the ice every Saturday um, scoring goals. It's not like it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like it, our development wasn't working. It was just like, I didn't see a lot of fun happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so as you grow the numbers, you got to create an environment that's fun for your lower, for your base. Uh, and I'm skipping over a whole lot of stuff, but you had to create. So once you build might, right? So we spent a lot of time building might. We've, you know, worked on the might league. Um, we've created, we bought jerseys with their name on the back that were reversible. I mean, just something as simple as that for a little kid to see their name on a jersey was huge. Um, we started, again, getting out and playing against other teams. And, and I think people started having a little bit more fun. So we grow our numbers up at Mike. Few, you know, a year or two later, we're, we're like, well, our numbers, you know, we're still at like, we had to co-op with Oshkosh at Bantam one year. We had to get released kids from Wapaka at another year. Um, our number, you know, we have, we're pulling up mites almost every single year to fill out sport teams um, to go from a bad number of like two super large teams to three small teams. And so we were having a retention problem. And the biggest issue was we've got this large pool of mites now and they go from, you know, two days a week practice and in a game on Saturday morning and the fees of a lot, you know, like maybe, I don't know, 250 or something to like a thousand bucks. <laughs> it's like, so again, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a math nerd and it comes down to me. It's a real simple equation. We're putting two sport teams on the ice times 10 skaters and two goalies. A way to get fees down is to put more skaters on the ice per hour. And um, so I start looking around and again, any good coach is going to steal from everywhere. So I start looking around at other smaller towns that have had success. And so I actually came across uh, Superior Youth Hockey. Um, I think Brian Ragnor, Brian Ragor, I should have wrote his name down, but he's, I think he's still the president at Superior, had a couple of great conversations with him and and they switched to this, you know, kind of a development model at the sport level, you know, a few years before we did. Um, and again, I think at the end of the day, it was a few things for us. Transitioning from a model where we're saying stations cross ice, yep. practice mm-hmm. together to squirt full ice is a disadvantage to a lot of the first year skaters. And it's scary to a lot of the first year parents. And our tryout model was not broken. I won't say it was broken, but, you know, get a couple preseason skates and then you're doing two or three days of tryouts and you got teams and then you're playing games. It just seemed like we invested a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of money and a lot of energy into building our MITE program up and to be a pretty successful MITE program. And then we just say, okay, go, you know, now go play travel hockey. And, uh, and it just was, I mean, it, it wasn't that it wasn't working. It was, I think the next step of, of the retention problem. So feedback of, you know, tryouts aren't fair, um, multi-sport athletes showing up just rusty, yeah. right? I mean, and as a parent, like, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't want, if our season doesn't start until October 1st, then why, am I almost expected to start skating in August in order to have to be successful at tryouts? So I think the other thing was reducing the tryout stress, getting back to a more station-based development model. Um, and then I think, and I hate saying this, and I know there's a few coaches that hate when I say it, but I'm going to say it. I think there was a feeling that there's the winners and losers, right? If you make the A team, you're typically going to have the best coaching and it's that never ending cycle of like, how do I go from C to B to A? Well, in the development model, it was, you're being coached by all of the coaches. Yep. So I had to eat that pill of, if I'm the A coach, I get, to, I get to coach my kid in a 50 minute practice. I might coach my team 
for 12 minutes. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, we also looked at it as, you know, come talking with Elkin, talking with the high school. Um, what are we seeing? What are we trying to do here? Right. So it's very difficult. I was the ACE director. So my job was to help coach coaches. But it's very difficult when in the model where you're like, all right, A team, B team, C team, put up a brick wall down the center of the ice and nobody's talking to each other and they're all doing their own thing. And I'm sitting there and it was like, is this working? And so we tried something different. I, I will tell you that one of the things and you just brought up a good point with the ACE coordinator position. It's one of the things I've told people is that in order to, to take a hard look at your program and things like that, you got to have somebody who's who is not just looking at their team or, or a certain team or a certain demographic of people. And that's where I think a lot of associations get, they get caught up in, they get caught up in, uh, you know, just like catering to one, you know, subset of people within their organization and not looking at the whole. And that's one thing that in Fond du Lac we, um, that we tried stressing this year was we tried to say that all of like, we're, we're coaching everybody and there's, uh, we're not just we're not just going to cater to our A kids anymore. We we hired a hockey director that came in, and his job was to was to help out predominantly their B and C kids um, and try to get them up to cost. But you also bring up a point about the A, B, and C teams that uh, we saw from, and it starts at Mites. And it's one of the things that like I it's I I've seen it. And we we're trying to cur, but you know, it's generally the kid who makes your Mite Red team his first year. Mite is going to be you know he'll m most likely be your score day. He'll be your squared A's second year. He'll be his PBA, and then he'll continue on that trend because the gap continues to just inch up year by year because he is getting better. You know, he is getting better coaching per se. You know, generally that's the case. In addition to that, he's playing with better teammates and things like that. So the kid who you said and played, you know, squared C his first year, how is he going to close that gap? Well, right. the deck is stacked. Like that's he can't come back. The chances of him coming back are, you know, even being a late developer or things like that, it's it's just it's not going to work. And that's the other thing, too, that's really you see it with with other sports, you see it with other kids. One of the big things that I've noticed is that generally the kids who are the best at mites is because of a they've matured faster or they're band they're bigger. Like, yep. like and what I mean, they matured faster is they probably started playing when they were three or four, like earlier, like. Yep. And and that gap that starts there, if you have a parent who's just, you know, your kid's a monster and he's bigger, well, obviously he's gonna, and he's got a good shot. He's going to score a lot. He's going to be on the Mite Red team, yep. and then he's going to be on the Squared A team. And then he's going to make the tier one, and, and that and he's continually going to be better. But it doesn't mean he's going to be better at high school. And you right. said you worked with the high school kids, and that was one of the things we looked at in Fond du Lac was, okay, like how do we make sure that we can bridge that gap between. You know the kid who's on the might white team and then give this kid a shot when he's in squirts to maybe when he starts developing and starts catching that kid that he has the opportunities to catch him and that's what i'm kind of getting at from what you guys did is you guys were trying to one make sure that your mites are going to stay around right <laughs> like right and that's that's huge because in final life we had this we had we didn't have a retention problem per se but we were having you know 70 80 mites that would transition to squirts and you'd look at how many of those mites transition that can transition to a square A team. There wasn't many of them. And right. it, it wasn't because maybe they didn't have the talent, but it was also because they didn't, they're scared. Like you brought up, like walking into a first tryout, one, you haven't really been taught how to play full ice. You're playing with older kids. You know, the pace of the practice just went up tenfold. And it's not a level playing field anymore. And that I think is what, you know, what you and I have talked about before. And I think that's all with these development programs, it's all we're trying to create right we're trying to make the playing field level for people to progress when they're ready to progress it's not right. saying the kid who's a you know big he's a big tall kid that he can't make the score to a team we're just saying that when the other kid is ready to make that jump and is, has the ability to make that jump like it's there it's there for him to make that jump right yep yeah and i, I mean I, I think we're seeing that we're seeing you know some kids who are squirt c or b uh bumping up to Pee Wee B or A, um, you know, and again, I, I think at the end of the day, it's you, I think, unfortunately, we kind of look at A as kind of maybe a litmus test of how strong associations are. Yep. I've always felt like 
you know, the, the problem at A is A has no ceiling. Like mm-hmm. you can have the weird kid that just is a freak of nature on your team and you're going to win a lot of games because you have the best player on the ice. I kind of always look at the strength of your B and C teams determines the health of your association. So are you investing in all players? Because you never know. I mean, again, I go back to my story. I was C, A, B, 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 right? Double A, double A high school. You want, you don't want the dream to fade at C because I, you know, I can assume, unfortunately, there's a kid's level of frustration and then there's a parent's level of frustration in, in a sport where the costs keep to start increasing. Um, again, going back to your point earlier, you don't want you do not want that out. You do not want the parent to have an out of my, you know, the kids are frustrated. Um, and, and so I, I think, again, I, it's leveling the playing field, it's retention, it's coaching the coaches, it's um, making everyone feel like they met because they do. At the end of the day, I don't know of a coach that would say, you know, I only want to coach my A kids. I'm not interested in the B or C kids. If I know if I met that coach, we'd ha- you know, I'd like to have a conversation to say, well, the B or C kid two years from now could be in the top half of your A team. If you would, I mean, we have that. We, like I said, we've had kids who are like, you know, they're good at other sports and they just are late starters that, um, you know, they've just got to get a couple of years under their belt and then they're going to be impactful players. Uh, and I would also go to say, you know, again, going back to the, the development thing. So, um, we also switched to, and I never thought it was possible, eight stations. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first heard this, I was like, you got, no, there's no way, right? Like, that's just insane. Well, I encourage anyone, and I, I know the current ACE director is Kevin Grader. You can work with Mike Hasler, who, and again, they both have done a great job of continuing things that we've done together. So I want to start with, it's a, so a coaching committee, um, it's not just me. It's a coaching committee. A bunch of people are thinking about these things and we're coming together and we're, but they're continuing these things forward. And I would encourage anyone to come and watch like a squirt practice at Fox Valley. The practice starts when the Zamboni doors close, the kids, the stations are set up and they're out there and the coaches, we run a system called agility hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles and Krista, Miles and Kristen Steele, um, and again, you can Google it, Agility Hockey Systems. They created this thing, and we can go in and create the practice. So the kids are assigned to groups. The coaches are assigned to stations. There, some cases, there's videos of the drill. There's coaching points of the drill. The email goes out to all coaches, all players, so that everyone knows what's going to happen that night the second the Zamboni doors close. So when you're talking, you know, 200 and something plus dollars an hour, we're getting dollar value out of practices the second the doors close. And that, I mean, again, that's huge because if you're talking five to 10 minutes at the beginning to set up and then maybe five to 10 minutes at the end where you're losing and you have a 50 minute practice, that's not a whole lot of ice time. What's well, the other thing too is in uh, one of our previous guests, they really talked about this too. And he said, and he talked about one of his mammoth pet peeves of coaching is when he, when he was the ACE director, he talked about how he hated seeing coaches as practice would start, you know, they're they're having their little powwow on the bench, like leaning back and they're 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 going over the practice plan, they're talking, and then all of a sudden they're almost done with the conversation. Then then the fourth coach walks out of the locker room, he's late and he's like, "What I miss, boys?" And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, like you're spending another five minutes talking to that, bringing that coach up to speed. Meanwhile, the kids are just aimlessly just skating around the ice, tripping each other. You know, next thing you know, one kid slams into the boards and. And that that five minutes over the span of you know twice a week for for you know three to four months that adds up to a lot of practices in that wow. and that's the other thing too and the other thing I, I wanted to touch on that you brought up was was your, was your talk about your base of your A players and your your B players and things like that and coaches saying I only want to coach my A kids um, and it's it's something that I've been it's something that I've been battling with with people and it's it's the fact that long term development for hockey players. It's like, you know this, I know this. Being the best might means nothing. <laughs> like being, 
being the best squirt means nothing. And being, being the best peewee means nothing. And I love it when people are like, well, I only want to surround my kids with the best kids. I just like, I'm going to go to that end of the ice with my A's. You go down that ice with your B's and we're not going to, and it's like, and I always say like, what are you thinking? Like, it means nothing to be, if your team goes 0-50 right now, it doesn't mean anything. Like that what right. matters is where those kids are going to be when they get to that high school U14 level. And the most important thing is, and I tell us coaches, you need your players at U14s to be able to have kids to play against. Like there's, right. you're going to lose kids to, to attrition. You're going to lose kids to they're quitting the sport. But the biggest thing you need is you, you don't need like, and I've seen it with high school practices where the, the varsity team will bring out only 10 players. Right. And then I know the high school coaches that sometimes in Fonda, like they might call out a Marion player to, to push their top players because there's not a, there's not enough of a base to push these kids. Right. And if we would have focused five, 10 years earlier on building that base to make that B kid better, then he could be a low A and the next thing, or you know what I mean? By the time he hits a junior in high school, the kid can play. And now he's pushing your kid. And I always tell the coaches, you're just hurting yourself and you're just hurting your kid when he gets to high school. Because if you keep on not progressing these other kids, then your kid's gonna have nobody to play against. And what's the fun in going to like a high school practice or a tier one practice if there's only three other kids that can compete with your kid? Like, right. and that's where it's like, like what like then all the kids gonna be looking over the fence for greener pastures he's gonna be looking to go play juniors early or something like that where he's not gonna get pushed but if you had just done your work early on and built your base and and built it so every kid's gonna be a, a good hockey player by the time they high school it's only gonna better your kid in the end who's hopefully one of the better ones but it's it's something that like i know you guys have done and nina i mean look at your high school team i uh, i i've you know, I've, you know, I follow you guys from afar, but one of the things I give you guys a great amount of respect for is the fact that you guys have depth. Like, um, and it, it started because you guys had depth and you developed all your kids. And then you even look past that. How many kids did you develop that were maybe sports peewees, bantams that were okay. But then once they got to that high school level and you see them, you're like, oh, wow, he took off, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, uh, I look like I run the Coleman cup and I run uh, the wheel. And it's one of the reasons why our region has been incredibly successful is because we took a small organization such as Fox Valley, who's, you know, division two, and they are producing players at a rate that's division one level. They're producing players at such an, a high rate that they're not really that, I mean, they're, they're like, they're, they're producing more than anything else. And it's not just, they're producing the top end talent. You guys were producing your, your, your meet your base of kids that were able to compete right and and it wasn't just they knew how to compete like they were smart up top right they they knew the game they were coached because they might not have had the best per se b coach but they were coached the majority of the time by the a coach who was able to instill that knowledge um, yeah. and i think that's i mean sorry to go off tangent there but it's i mean you, you're so i look i we can yeah. go whatever direction you want um i mean at the end of the day i think you hit the nail so challenge right so some how do i get team well you know i we're how are we going to work on defensive zone coverage and breakouts and i'm and i and i'm sitting there like okay we go to these usa hockey clinics and they tell us right mm -hmm. they tell us the model and yet we then leave usa hockey and i don't i don't believe in everything they say but then we want to do our own thing. And I don't disagree. Like you need part, you need whole, but then you go back to the part. If you teach a kid all of the skills they need to break out of a zone, you won't have a problem breaking out of the zone. And, and by the way, when that kid gets into a, an age level where maybe it's a little bit more appropriate for a coach to instill what they want to do on breakout, you'll have kids who can implement it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, again, what it goes back to, and I think what you're seeing is what are the skills, what are the things that we feel are important that were aligned with USA Hockey um, and as an association? So, I mean, one thing you'll see, we may not always have, again, the best teams, but even a, a team, you've coached, I've been on the bench with you one time. Like, one of the things you'll always, like, I'm hard on puck. That's a thing that's a, that's a, like, everyone is hard on puck. I get it. But we're like, no, you're hard on the puck and we're teaching battle drills and, you know, you've coached some of the kids we send down your way and, and they're, they're feisty players. 
Yep. And and that's the way, you know, you know, that's a thing that we also force competition in those. So the eight stations, right? Where are you hiding? You're not hiding anywhere. You're, you know, if you want to hide, um, I don't know what to tell you, but hockey is probably not the right sport, but you've got to get in there and you got to get after it. And that's, again, that's C, B, and A. So you get a C kid who's used to battling um, because, again, where are you going to hide? And then eventually the athleticism or the time on skates catches up and then they can jump into the play. And again, it all goes back to the pyramid. If you want a strong, and again, I'm not, this, again, there's a lot of smart people out there, but this is very, in my brain, it just seems to make a lot of sense. If you want to, <laughs> right, if you want success at older ages, you probably need to start instilling things at younger ages that kind of build over time to the, to the highest level. And again, I didn't think of all this on my own. Um, so I would also say just a couple things here, like, um, culture of your association is super important like culture <laughs> i can't stress it enough you have to have people who are willing to work together and have the best interests of the association so for fox valley some of the things the thing it's like almost a mantra we look at the association like a decision okay a decision comes in how does it impact the association how does it impact the age level how does it impact the team and then like a mile wide gap, how does it impact the player? And why I say that is there are times where you actually have to take some considerations into a player. There's circumstances that are, you know, maybe very unique to a player's needs that we have to take into account. But, you know, if you're looking at thing in what, so here's the, here's the, here's the vice. How does a parent look at things? <laughs> Literally the complete opposite yeah. direction. So while we're looking at things, association, age group, team, eventually player, mom and dad are looking at, well, that's great, but you know, my kid needs to be chasing the best players on the A team versus being the best player in the B team. I mean, I've heard that so many times that I just don't even, it's hard to say. <laughs> I mean, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. by the way, I've seen, you know, some kids struggle being, the bottom of an A before, like to the point where they're not having fun. And so, you know, sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for. Um, but again, going back to culture, you've, you've got to have, so I, I would start by talking, if you're a parent and you're having concerns about what's going on at your association, start talking with the board and start talking with the coaching committee. And, and I mean, and start, you know, and again, as an association, start thinking like, is your board heavily involved in making hockey decisions? If they are, then, you know, one nugget that I would share is the ACE coordinator, the hockey director, and hopefully a coaching committee. Those are so that's something we instilled that has done wonders for us. Hockey is left primarily to hockey director, ACE director, which it used to be one role, now it's two, but primarily there in the coaching committee. And the board focus on fundraising, focus on jerseys, focus on administration and stuff like that. But if you're starting to dip into hockey, I mean, a lot of times the board is comprised of people that don't have a hockey background. It's all about uh, staying in your lane and knowing what you're in. Your lane. Yeah. Right. And that's where I, I, I think it's uh, it's good for associations. Sometimes boards realize that there's always a lane you got to stay in. You have to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and then also you bring up culture because there's a few things with that too and you got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are and you know the, the people have to sometimes have to sit back and realize and that's tough for some people to realize that that what they think is their strength is, is not their strength and that sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow but i mean one of the questions i had for you because we've you know and you you had a great analogy that the association looks at things from like you know, so what's best for the association, you know, and then it's team. And then at the very bottom, the association says what's best for the, like the, an individual player. And then when you look at a parent, the parent's the opposite. They go player team association, right? It's, it's a different view than we have. How did, like, how did your parents perceive the change when you guys were coming in and say, we're going to, we're going to make this change and this is what we're going to do. Because I'm sure it went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Well, and, and again, if you're willing to, so, so complaining or yeah. seeing something wrong is the first sign to initiate something, right? So 
Um, one, you need to have people, you have to have support. So garnering support of the coaching committee who are well-respected coaches within the association, garnering support of the high school coaches, uh, and then again, garnering support from the board goes a long way to kind of quell some of the things that came up, but you know, they did. And so um, I would say, you know, the, so we started with squirt. And so first year squirts, they didn't know any different unless mm -hmm. they had an older sibling. But second year squirt families, had, I would say, were the ones that struggled the most. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a ton of them and it was bubble kids, right? Yeah. It was not like, look, I, I've had a kid who like, hey, you know, former race director, let me know if you want me to be the B or C coach because I know where my kid's landing. It's not that parent. It's the, I'm an AB bubble kid. And so things like, the length of this program or the length of this tryout is too long. My kids are stressed out at night and why can't we just be done and start playing games? And it's like, so I would say, you know, have thick skin, be willing to listen. Uh, we did make some changes the second year based off of feedback. Uh, so again, be willing to change. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room and I don't think anyone is the smartest. You, you've got to be willing to adapt and change. And empathize. I mean, at the end of the day, a couple of times conversations went like, look, I maybe I don't completely disagree with on some of your points. But at the end of the day, we made a decision and we're going to try this out. Um, and I would say that first year, the teams kind of shook out a little bit. If we would have ran the normal tryout, um, the teams would have been a lot different in October than when we finally, when it ended. And I think it did, again, um, I gotta throw a name, Dave Reichenbacher and Chris McGirt, they were great. So we partnered with Fryhoa and they came in and helped train officials working our games. So kids understand, we're teaching the game of hockey in the locker room, we're teaching the game of hockey on the bench, we're teaching the game of hockey on the ice, we're teaching officials over a longer duration of time, the kids were having fun, um, and again, there was growth. There were kids who showed up completely out of shape, rusty, not looking good. If we would have ran a tryout that next week, like we had in the past, they would not have made the team they were on. And some of the parents who were the most vocal, their kids made a higher level team than they would have if we would have ran the normal. So that's kind of the mind numbing things that you kind of have to just push through sometimes and just say, you know what? I got to have thick skin. I got to just, but I got to listen, you know, I got to listen and I got to empathize, uh, but we move forward. And, and so, you know, that first year, I would say it was, I, I would say it was a big change, but it, it was, I think people got it. And again, I go back to culture where I wasn't fighting a board. I, you know, I shouldn't say I, we weren't fighting a board. We weren't fighting coaches. Um, and it was really, we started squirt. And I, I guess I would also add two years of that. We now run the same program at Pee Wee and Bantam. There is the tryouts at Fox Valley are like three or four weeks. Again, tryouts. No, it's development for three or four weeks. And then, I don't know, you've been in the stands evaluating kids long enough. I mean, three or four weeks with kids on the ice, you kind of know where they land. And I think parents see that now. Mm -hmm. it, and you one thing you also eliminate is you eliminate the tryout kid. You eliminate the, I skated for a month straight before tryouts. I show up in perfect shape and condition and I make a team and then, um, and then everybody kind of passes them up right away once they get their legs underneath them. So um, I, again, there are advantages of the long, there are a ton of advantages. And, and I think what are the, the other thing is what's the rush to play a game? I mean, <laughs> We in Fond du Lac this year, we uh, that was one of the things that we did with our squirts, and I believe it was our peewees too. But um, we didn't play games till December, and we we uh, we that went over well. What? <laughs> I suppose that went over well. You know, I, I will tell you that um, it was it was different. Um, we did we did some surveys at the end of the year and. Um, you know, some of the stats that came back for us was like, it was like 93% of the people said they, they are excited and they want to do it again next year. They enjoyed it. Uh, like, you know, 
88% of the people said like it was like they 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 enjoyed it this year and it, there was always, there's a select few who have people who have obviously their own opinions and things like that but yeah like by we played in house we kept everybody in in Fond du Lac we we are running skates we had private lessons we did things that to really try to, I know our squirt program we ran an in-house league like where we kept all the kids in we intermixed all the kids and um, I'll tell you, we, we did have kids that, you know, you could see that it clearly got better from it and then were able to make an impact on a team. And, and that, that was awesome to see. And I, I'll say one of the things that was big for us and one of the reasons why we decided to do what we did was we saw the development of, of ice time that we were lucky enough to have our own rink, right? So, you know, we can book it as we please. And uh, it was awesome to see that where the parents were buying into the let's stay in Fond du Lac and play because I was telling them, well, you, you know, for us to travel to Verona's you know, hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. And I said to him, if you have a 10 a.m. game and then you obviously you're going to play a doubleheader, you're going, you're not just going to Madison for one game. So you right. play at 10 a.m. and you know, like 2 p.m. I said, so you have to get there an hour beforehand. So you, you want to get there at nine for a 10 a.m. game, but it takes an hour and 15, hour 30 to get there. So you're leaving the house at 7.30, let's say, 7.30 a.m. And then you get you get to Verona, you play your game, uh, you wait a few more hours, you play your other game, you get done with your game at 3 p.m., you drive home, let's say you're not shopping for food, now you've been gone from 7.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. for two games. And like with Infanta Life, if you have three lines and you're playing a 30, you know, total of 36 minutes, your kids saw 13 minutes of actual ice time a game. Times that by two for two games, they, they were on the ice for 26 minutes and you wasted it, not wasted, but you spent an entire Saturday. And it's something where I was like, well, or we could just stay in house. I can give you three hours of ice time, practice time, we can play some small area games. I can have your kid with the station. We can be going hard. I can get you on the edge for three hours. Like, and you tell me at the end of this time who's gonna who's gonna be better off. And um, it's that was one of our big things. And I, I think our parents actually started enjoying that. They knew there every Saturday through December they were gonna be home, and they were gonna be able to, you know. But their kid was also still improving. They was getting better. It was, and you know, and this isn't for everybody. There's kids who want to be out there and play, you know. 80 games a season, um, but as a whole, we looked at it as an association. Said this is something that might work for us. Like we can improve our kids. Now, what you said about the culture was dead on. It's something that like it's tough because you want to sit there. You're protective over this program and things like that. And you have people that are giving you honest feedback, and they're not trying to be mean. Right. <laughs> like, they're just they're telling you what they think, and your first instinct is to get mad and tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Right. And that was, you know, that was something that as uh, as a group of people who we said we're going to try this. Like, I think that was the hardest part for me was, no, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. But I was wrong. Like, I was I wasn't correct in thinking that. Like, there's an there's this isn't you know one size at all. It's for everybody. There's kids that have different needs, and you got to make sure that we try to fulfill those needs to the best of our ability. And if if it's not working for them, then we need to figure out a way it is to get them to work. Right. And there's always unique situations out there, but that I think not playing to December for us, it had a lot of benefits to it. it uh, you know, we don't, and that's the other thing too, is I think it's the toughest part for this, for the program that you guys had, which is awesome because you guys can see your results right now. Like, like with your high school team, with your players that are coming through, you guys are seeing what you invested 10 years ago, right? Or, nope. um, the problem that I, you know, that, you know, I think people have with, with hockey and any new program you have, you don't like, it's not instant, you know, it's not, it's not instant. Like it's a process. It takes time, you know, getting a kid better, you know, in, in a year, like it's a gradual progression. It's not overnight. And that's one of the things I've been trying to, we've been trying to stress to parents is this is a process. This is time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah. We might not be good this year. It happens, but you brought it up earlier. If you don't have the skills to run a system, what's the point of running a system? Like, like, and we got to teach it. Like you gotta, you, like you say hard on the puck, like, that's awesome. And I've said it this in these interviews before. What's the point of running a 2 1 2 if your player's not fast enough to get to the puck, to put pressure on the D? Then that D is just going to take the puck right up ice. Like, we can, as coaches, we can have amazing systems. And as associations, we can try to run like the most high tech thing. But if our kids don't have the skill set to do the system, pointless. Right. So, and that's, I mean, I think, again, at the end of the day, I don't, 
you know, you hate to say that, you know, development, what does that mean? I and mean, what is it? I think, again, at the end of the day, um, it's our, the way I always look at it is, you know, it's our responsibility to build a, a foundation, a platform that allows each kid to kind of succeed at their pace, I guess. Yep. And, and so, um, you know, you never know when that's going to come. And I, and again, I think that's, that's kind of my, my big thing is again, get that, get the, the widest top of the pyramid you possibly can. And, and again, you're going to have challenges. And so I would also, you know, we're kind of getting close here, but I would say, and don't stop. I mean, at, at, so I could rattle off a whole bunch of things that we're continuously doing, but never, there was, I would, the development at Fox Valley before the the program was there. All we did was try to solve problems and get that base bigger and continue to build it and probably infuse it and improve, continuously improve. So in my job for a living, I solve problems and I continuously improve. So it's just how my brain operates. And I think their culture of your association and your coaching committee and ACE coordinator and hockey director should all be on board. And like this season, we met as a coaching committee last night. We have got to start thinking creative. And, and again, I, I, I'll talk to anyone. I mean, I, I'm, I'm basically just nobody, but I'll talk to anyone about ideas because I think we're in this together. Fox Valley, NHM is, I want Appleton to be good. I want Fond du Lac to be good. I want Point, Wausau, Wapak, everyone. I want everyone to be good, Oshkosh, because that means I don't have to travel to all over the place to go. And it also means when you get to high school, which should be for 99.9% .9 of the kids, the pinnacle of what they want to be. I want to, you know, as high school hockey, let's get the best high school hockey in Northeastern Wisconsin. So like for this year and going forward, continue to push the envelope. Yep. Um, an idea we talked about last night was cross ice that might, you know, we all see it. We have a studio rink at Fox Valley. It's a gold mine. It's, it's literally like the best hockey three on three you can do at might. Our might tournaments are phenomenal. So the, I I'm like, well, why do we stop at might? Why don't we play squirt games on the small rink squirt C game? So, how many puck touches is a squirt C player going to get in a full ice game? It's about as equal to a Mike game. Like I, right. it really is. And so have Fox Valley play Oshkosh or Appleton or whoever on the small rink three on three, not all the time, obviously, but give them, you know, a percentage of the season on there. And then, you know, going into this year, we've got to start thinking differently. Um, I love, I, I sorry, coach. I'd love, that yep. idea, of course, we're tossing that idea around right now of doing half ice uh, it, when we play in-house half ice squirts just because uh, in, in my rationale when I think of that is um, one, like if you think of uh, the speed, the physicality, the space, most importantly, of, uh, of a U18 game, right? Like that's the equivalent of a probably a squirt game on rink C or our studio rink, like your studio rink as well. Like, like the amount of time that you, when you have the puck on your stick to make a decision, that's the equivalent of what a, for a squirt, it's the equivalent to what a U18 is on a full ice, um, full ice NHL sheet. So like, my thing is, why wouldn't we put our kids in that situation earlier? Let them understand how fast you need it. And it's, it's not rocket science. It's one of those things you're just like, well, if they only have, like, why give them five seconds? They're not going to have five seconds when they're, when they're U18. So why don't we cut that down? We, we, get, we consistently got to find ways to mimic the game for when they are U18s and they need to be successful, that they're ready for it. Like, you know, you know, it's one of the players you, you deal with it probably as a coach all the time. Like, you, you're telling kids, like, you got to move the puck quicker. You got to move it quicker. Well, why, did, why, why are you constantly telling that? It's not because a coach didn't tell me beforehand. It's because he had the luxury of having his, the puck on a stick for five seconds for the last 10 years. That's that's the problem. That's where it started. And then how do we curb that? Well, you curb it by by saying taking that time and space away and putting him in situations like our studio rink. I mean, have you ever played on the studio? Like you played any three on three on the studio rink? Dude. <laughs> I love it. I mean, well, 
I loved it better when I was younger, but I mean, yeah. now, now I try to pretend I can play like I used to. That, oh. No, it's, there is no time. And I yeah. think, again, that's, so teaching deception, teaching pre-planning, teaching, you know, get puck, move puck. You can try, like large ice gives you the luxury of time and space, small studio rink. And again, I, I know not every association has this, but um, if you have it, put boards across the middle and or take the boards and put them in, a, again, shorten that, that, that rink up and make the kids make decisions. Because if you, as a mite squirt, are using deception going into the corner and pre-planning, what is it going to look like when you're a Bantam? Yeah. I mean, it's just so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I hope anyone who's watching this gets a couple nuggets of information. And I would encourage people to talk to your hockey director and ACE coordinator about some uh, some ideas. And, and again, if anybody has some good ideas, send them to, you know, Kevin Grader or myself, Hasler, whoever. Uh, I, we're a community here. And so. I would offer anyone who has any questions on things that Fox Valley has been doing or I've been doing in the past, feel free to reach out. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Um, didn't really talk one second about gamblers, but I would say that again, looking at what um, tier one, that the one thing, other thing I would say we've got to start talking about is Ice time is a premium, and so the camp style practices are one thing I've taken away from that model that are extremely well run. And so as you're talking about a development program, you know, I mentioned before, one of the pieces of feedback was how do I get my sense of team? Well, instead of playing four games this weekend, how about you do practice in the morning, dry land and video, team building event in the afternoon or middle lunch, and then practice in the evening on Saturday? run a practice on Sunday and call it a weekend and, and spend some time with your family. I, I just, um, you know, I think I, we play a lot of games and, and uh, I don't know, you know, it's so when we say the word development, we also got to give a little bit, I think, on the game situation. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing I was, you know, I know you've been with the gamblers and you've seen their, their model and I, I like it. I think it, what they have as far as their camp weekends is phenomenal. Like, I mean, you can attest to it. I think you guys, some weekends are getting like eight hours of practice ice. Like, I mean, it's, it's a weekend and you guys are a team and you're doing your things. But a lot of the parents I've talked to the skill development that happens during those weekends, you're, you're saying, let's not travel to Detroit this weekend. Let's stay in Appleton and let's, let's practice as a team. And you're getting, you're getting the team chemistry, the team bonding. And, and I, I, I also looking at your guys' you know, the gambler schedules, you guys aren't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys also aren't like the normal Chicago mission. We're playing 75 games a year. You guys are sometimes playing 25 games, maybe 30 tops, depending on, you know, depending on the age group. But um, you guys have taken a, a, a front seat of saying, like, we don't need to play games every weekend. We don't need to travel every weekend. We can have a home weekend where we practice and work on our skills. And then in addition to that, I know you guys also you work with the, you work with multiple age groups, right? Like. The O7s might be on the ice with the O6s, but it's something where, you know, you're, you're utilizing the ice time provided to you guys. And that's one of the biggest things. And that's where the development program in Fond du Lac was the basis of it. And the gamblers do it and like you guys at Fox Valley have done it. But it's just it's utilizing your ice properly and not only utilizing your ice, but it's utilizing your time, your coach's time and everything. And that's where I think a lot of things get mismanaged with with you know, development program. It's not like we're trying to come out and change the world. All we're trying to do is we need to utilize our time better and people's time better. And I go back to the Verona kind of analogy and things like that. It's a, uh, I'm just, if, if, if I, if I only got you for eight hours, I'd rather spend you, I'd rather get your kid better than you have you traveling down to play games. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to change the culture, trying to change the perception of, of time and hockey. Plus, it gets a little cheaper too, which doesn't. <laughs> it it, it yeah. makes it a little bit easier too. So, but um, I just want to say thank you for coming on. This is I just looked up and it's like sixty five minutes. I'm like, what? Like, is going on? Um, it happens. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Do you have any last bits of advice or anything like that you'd like to share? No. Again, I would just reiterate, like, if you, if people 
have ideas or they're frustrated. I mean, again, I don't hear we. I don't know a person who's in hockey that doesn't like to talk. I, I know. Uh, I mean, I feel comfortable reaching out to people, and they'll respond. I, I, and I think when people say that, they genuinely mean it. And and I think the other thing I would say is, no idea is a crazy idea. I mean. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought that we're talking about putting 40 plus kids on an ice, running eight stations, doing tryouts, tryouts for a month? I mean, no, that that stuff just is hard to believe a few years back. Um, but, you know, if you don't try things, if you don't try to continuously improve, then, you know, your association is probably going to be in the same state it is, you know, in five years than it is today. And and not so again. Other than that, I mean, again, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. We're probably gonna have to have you on again because we could probably go for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say thanks again, and then for everyone else who's been view viewing in, um, we are only from views on the bench. We're only going on uh, Wednesdays at noon now. Um, and then if you guys can't get a chance to watch us on Facebook Live, we do have the Apple Podcast going, so you can stream it in your car or at work or whatever. So I just want to say thank you again for coming on. This is awesome. Like I, I love talking to programs and, um, you know, picking your brain and stuff like that. Uh, um, and like I said, it's, it's funny that like, like things you take away from people. And I, I still always go back to the getting all those kids on in the 40s. I mean, I was blown away on the bench. I'm like, I looked down and I like Rex and I was like, I think all my forwards have been on the ice. And he's like, we're like 30 seconds of the game. And I'm like, I know, it's weird. <laughs> but he, like you did it. Like I took it away and love it. So thanks again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, everyone out there, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. See ya. Yeah.